Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 12th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh, and this week we will talk about the Pascal Dupuis quote-unquote retirement. Uh, sadly, Pascal Dupuis has had to call it a career uh, due to blood clot related stuff. He had to miss all of last year due to blood clots, came back this year, uh, and came to the conclusion that too many symptoms were happening and it would be best to walk away from the game. We'll touch on some of the great things he did with the, the Penguins and talk a, a little bit about how this year wasn't going so hot and maybe uh, what can be done with his uh, cap savings. Uh, we will talk about the very fascinating Daniel Sprong situation, which uh, that one has a lot of hot takes on uh, all the way around. <laughs> and um, I don't disagree with a lot of them, but I think it's a very layered situation, and I think that it's uh, there are many shades of gray. So we'll get into all of that, and we'll talk about the last uh, few Penguins games, including the very eventful, as far as uh, talking points, Los Angeles Kings game tonight, uh, but that wasn't a very exciting game until three on three for the most part. But there well, was plenty to talk about there. It's the only time there's space on the ice to, to do something with. So, um, like you said, how about we, we start off with with Duper? And um, I suppose I'd like to say I think he was a great teammate in the Penguins organization. And if you have a look at his production before he blew out his knee, uh, he was a top-line performer at even strength. That's the reality. You can say it was his teammates that helped him do it, but he was a part of one of the best top lines going around. And then you have a look at what he's been through health-wise, and he gets to, what are we, quarter of the way through the year, and he just wasn't up to it. I think what disappointed me the most was he kept getting thrown out there in situations to fail rather than putting him in a situation where he probably could have played the rest of the year as a fourth-line winger. They could have played him there. And I think he could have done okay there. But not once did the coaching staff put him in a situation to succeed. And basically, when the general manager comes out and says, we need to start playing the young guys, Dupuy gets there and goes, all right, I'll pull the pin. Because the coaching staff wouldn't do it. I think it's a, a good representation of how good a teammate Dupuy is that he got there and pulled the pin on it, knowing that his play wasn't up to snuff in the role that he was being asked to play. And I think that's piss poor on the coaching staff's behalf. I slightly disagree on some of that. I, I think it was strictly health. I don't think he pulled the plug based on uh, his play. I think it was the symptoms. I think it, there was just too much risk there. I think it was strictly health choice. That's that's the case, that's fine. No, obviously. Um, you said uh, pre-knee injury he was putting up good numbers, but uh, in the very small sample before the blood clots of the 2014-15 season, he was also putting up very good numbers. Yeah, so, this is like the break the camel's back sort of injury. Um, one of my more favorite things that I've seen on Dupuy, uh, and I used it in my my blog was uh, Sean Gen Gentili of the Sporting News. He said of Dupuis, 247 points with Pittsburgh, only seven came on the power play. Played Ridiculous. With, played with Crosby, but that says a lot about how good he was five on five. And you know what? That's really great because I, f I was looking up some other stuff and 
Sidney Crosby, 663 goals. Evgeny Malkin, 619 goals. Chris Kunis, 380. Chris Letang, 331. Those are the only ones that have... Um, those aren't goals, sorry. Those are points. <laughs> 663. <laughs> those are points. Okay, but anyways. Pascal Dupuy had 247 points since he became a Penguin. Those other guys are pumping out power play time. I'm not saying Dupuy's as good as Crosby or Malkin, but Kunitz is 380 points compared to uh, Dupuy's 247. That's a lot closer than I think on the surface it looks because of the power play discrepancy. He was really good. And the thing that's funny about that, though, is that there was always an argument that Dupuy didn't have the hands to fill the role that he was asked to do. If he if he had the perceived hands that were required, imagine how much better he would have been points-wise. Like, I, if you're an NHL player that's not a superstar, you want to have a career like Pascal Dupuy who got absolutely everything out of the physical abilities he was given um, at birth. And he worked his ass off to get himself to where he is. He was a fourth liner on a Stanley Cup winning team, and it ends up being on uh, one third of what was considered the best line in hockey for a whole 12 months. So, as much as retiring the way he's had to sucks, um, he will look back on it and he should be extremely proud of what he achieved up to the start of this year. Yeah. And from, uh, let's see here, from 2011 to 2014 when, you know, when Dupuy was playing a lot of top-line minutes with Sid. Yep. He ranked seventh in the NHL with 2.56 even strength points per 60. Only guys better than him, Stamkos, Taves, Ben, Hall, Malkin, Crosby. And say what you will, so that was Crosby-driven, but you know what? Seventh overall in the league only means six were better, so he was doing damn well regardless of who he was with. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's all even strength reduction, like you said, with those numbers. So 2.56, that's really awesome. Yeah. Good for him. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, he was good. It's just, it's just a shame that the health impacted his play so severely as it did this year. Because he was a shell of everything that he could possibly do as a player this year. Yeah, and that's the impact stunk. mates around him. Yeah, it just hey, all credit for him uh, getting healthy, putting in the work rate to actually get back to a point where he could have a crack at doing what he tried to do. It's just unfortunate that it didn't end up in that fairy tale story of him coming back and and doing well. You know, it it, it does show you how hard it is to actually do that. Another uh, Dupuy thing from Steve Mears of the NHL Network. And 2012, Dupuy had a 17-game point streak, 10 goals, 12 assists in the final 17 games of that year. I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it's one of those things where you can often hang it on Dupuy because he misses so many opportunities playing with a guy like Crosby, but he actually you still have to actually get into position to screw it up and say what you will about it's just skating you've still got to get there and understand where you need to be and he was extremely good at doing that you know I mean Phil Kessel hit the post and 
it's an open net or something tonight tonight's game and you, you get there and go well he's getting paid X amount of money to put those in the net Dupree technically wasn't getting paid to do that and he could still do it occasionally yeah and then of course um, talking about Dupree you have to, to mention just his uh, intoxicating personality uh and clearly what he meant to these two guys around him. Uh, and, yeah. and even the media. who, I mean, some of my favorite... Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, Root Sports production. No. Uh, but, but I do love Dan Potash's interviews with all the players, but I would probably say, other than maybe Evgeny Malkin, the must-see Dan Potash interviews were always Pascal Dupuis. Someone will put a montage of those up on, on YouTube, I'm sure. But the, uh, just their working relationship, uh, it would always shine through the camera. You, you could clearly mm. see they, they very much enjoyed each other's presence there. It, it made for good TV. It'll be interesting to see what he does decide to do, whether he wants to stay involved directly with the team or whether he wants to jump in because I think he'd be great on the broadcast to be honest whether it's radio or uh, TV so it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, post finishing up yeah I think I think the thing that I saw uh, on Twitter was that he was gonna obviously the Penguins have been on a 12 day road trip recently so he was gonna go home (laughs) and kind of talk things out and then um, figure it out that way I think that's probably fair and reasonable wouldn't you say <laughs> yeah that seems seems like a good <laughs> path to take uh, so and they're going to be doing a uh, tribute to him Monday against the Capitals so that should be nice that should be it should be cool uh, I guess the only other thing I can think of is Perhaps that should be known as the Pascal Dupuis trade instead of the Marion Hossa trade. What a great trade that you, was for Pittsburgh. Let's say you have to look at it now. It's definitely how it was. We traded Colby Armstrong for a spare parts plug and Pascal Dupuis. I don't have it in front of me. I know Adam Gretz tweeted out something pretty uh, great about that trade. I want to say that he said Pascal Dupuis scored more goals than anybody that was... On in the that trade? side of that trade. Yeah. Or something like that. So, you know, I thought Pascal Dupuis was uh, an above average NHL player that, you know, rose to kind of legendary status due to personality in Pittsburgh. And um, overall, just a great trade to acquire him through the years. Uh, this year, he was terrible. <laughs> Sorry, it has to be said. He he was bad. He was probably their worst forward. So, um, while it's sad to see him go, the team is better without him. And I know that's kind of hard for some to hear, but I think that's true. And, And that's sort of the point I was trying to make earlier. Where they were playing him in the lineup, he just wasn't physically able to do it anymore. So... Dropping him down the lineup, putting him into a role that he could probably do, I thought would have been more reasonable. So, you know, 
Yeah, but even at that point, 3.7 mil versus somebody else can be fourth line. Hey, look, him going down this path with the having to retire due to the the in, like the health concern, it it's thrown the Penguins a little bit of a lifeline in regards to cap space. So it's kind of helpful in in that sense as well. So I know he's done it for his health, but. I just think he's too self-aware of what's going on around him to not think that he was dragging the team down. I legitimately think that. Um, I could be proven very wrong. He just seems like that sort of guy that is so self-aware of what his performance is because he's constantly picked on because of who he got to play with. I think he's well aware of what he can and can't do. And as soon as it became obvious to him that he couldn't perform at that level in those roles that he was given, it didn't surprise me that he had a reassessment of his health and, and pulled the pin on it. Because he missed a couple of periods with issues, didn't he? As recently as the San Jose game. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things where you do start to think about it and go, well, is it really worth the risk? And it's a very, very sensible decision to make. I thought it was a really nice gesture by Mike Johnston to uh, reunite the kunitz crosby Tapui line, even though at the time I was uh, probably on Twitter bashing that decision, but... Uh, unbeknownst to us, oh, what yeah. was going it, on it, behind the scenes there. I thought that was uh, a, a nice thing. Looking at it in the revision mirror, you go, thumbs up to the coach for doing that, definitely. But at the time, with not really knowing what's going on, yeah, absolutely slammed the hell out of him. Because in if you looked at it purely on production, Dupuy didn't deserve that opportunity. No, and quite frankly, I, I here's the funny thing. The, the life of a blogger. By morning... I had written a piece about Sidney Crosby and all the different uh, line combination trios he's had this year. Yeah. And a big section of that was being very critical of Pascal Dupuis' play and how he specifically has dragged Crosby down this year. And then by the afternoon, I was writing a Pascal Dupuis appreciation blog for all the good things he used to do. So it was a really uh, strange day for me. I was like, oh, geez, of all days... <laughs> you gotta retire tomorrow. Don't have to do it today. But yeah, and, and that's 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 what it's like. Because you you are as a blogger, you are trying to write in the moment, and it's just the way it is with the twenty four seven news cycle with Twitter now that you, you've got to write for the now, and because you have to compile all of your data to throw it into your articles, it takes time, and something like that shifts in the wind so quickly. You can throw that out there before knowing that he'd retired and it's like oh crap now I just look like an ass and that's not what you were trying to do you were just proving a point in regards to the retirement of Dupuis sucks for the room but probably helps for the on-ice product that the Penguins are going to produce in regards to getting wins it's the reality of it unfortunately so do you want to be even more callous and say what what do we do with the money (laughs) No, but that's the thing, though. This, this is straight out business. So you get there and you go, right, we've got his three point, whatever it is now. What do we do with it? Now, I think you and I both would be in agreement that we need to try and find a, another top four defenseman. And I, the more and more I watch this back six play without Scuderi in it, and even tonight with Scuderi in it, the more and more I think that that lineup, that back six, can go a long way in the playoffs if they put the roster the coach plays the right combo. That's my legitimate thought. So I don't know if they have to go out and get someone. I don't think the desperation need that's there that... Oh, I'm not talking about a forward. 
No, I, I meant a defenseman. They want a top four defenseman. I think you they and I have it. both said themselves. See, I don't know if they do. Oh, stop. I really, I really don't. They need it. They've needed one even when we thought Pouliot might have been one of them. I suppose so. It's just that Dumoulin is better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, they need to throw... He's a low and uh, four right now. Yeah, and I think by the end of the year, you'll find he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a low end two. Oh, no, no, no. He'll never be a low end two. You don't think statistically he'll be able to do it? I don't think Dumoulin will ever be a low end two. I think that's unfair. That's a real high bar. Yeah, it is a high bar, but that's about where the way he's projecting this year, I think he can end up there. And it's a, it's a big call, I know. But I you think get there, it's a low end three, which is so I don't, great. That's fine. See, okay, if you look at it that way, then I think he's a high end three rather than a low end three. That's where I think. That's where I think he'll end up. And if the Penguins end up with him there, and then Pouliot is there, he needs, four, he needs to generate he, more offense to be considered. Yeah, and he's starting to do it. You can see it. In the last three or four games that I've watched, you can see he's starting to generate more offense. Well, he's actually I'll say that. Right. He went around that net tonight very strong on his backhand and created he's something leading, there. So that was very good. He's leading the rush. He's actually got confidence to go and do things with it. It's almost like the coaching staff have gone, all right, off you go. I need to see him been... away from Lovejoy. Well, he's had that opportunity. He's going out there a few times today with Marder, and they look fine. I want to. Well, I want Mata with Latang, but before yes. Mata was back, I thought Dumoulin should have gotten some time with Latang. Yep. I wonder whether they're nursing Lovejoy with Dumoulin, which is ridiculous to say that because of the whole reason they got Lovejoy to begin with. But you get there with Dumoulin, and, and he looks confident out there now. It's like Bo Bennett. We'll get to Bennett later. They just have this confidence about them on the ice at the moment that both of them have have not had, and it's it's. A nice improvement to see. Hopefully, it, it results in tangible offensive production. But Dumoulin will be a top end three. Well, that would be quite a uh, nice turn of Surprise. events for Pittsburgh. Okay. And I and I say that going. I want to see the numbers for all the players when they hit that last ten games of the year. When we get to the playoffs, I want to see that ten game window between seventy two and eighty two. And what are all their numbers panning them out for the players to be then? And that'll let me know then. Because trying to drag shooting percentages from a bad start to the end of the year up to your averages is almost impossible. Yeah, but they need another defenseman. So how do you want to go about doing that? It's so tough. It's it's a tough conversation because you don't know who's available. You don't know the mindsets of all these GMs. You can only make assumptions and... Basically, when you assume you're just making an ass out of you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there are some, there are a few that, a few guys out there that I think are interesting. And one of them I talked about in a blog was Cam Fowler, Fowler. And kind of got there i looked at his stuff and his numbers really weren't as good as his perception he was a a very low-end very borderline bottom pairing on the possession level and had decent to okay offensive production but to me pittsburgh needs a guy that can 
you know, improve that possession part of the game. Okay, so this this is always my one conundrum I have with statistics when you get that evaluation out of a player. The player's possession numbers are are low in low in number four from what you've explained. Yet his offensive numbers are what top pairing or, or top end second pairing. Yeah. So wouldn't that mean he's just efficient with his with his point production out of his possession? This is the bit that always throws. But he's on an okay team. Yeah, but he's still got to, he's still got to actually make the points. Like, and this that's the thing. It's like how many of those points are secondary assists, or how many of them are, you know, it, has he just passed it to Getzlaff and Getzlaff's gone coast to coast and Perry has scored? Like, that's where the the deeper well, that's analysis where the possession happens. stuff is a little bit like, because uh, if he's with Getzlaff and Perry and it's still like, what the hell? Yeah, but are they? And that—that's the thing. Like, what's his quality of competition? Is he a—is he an okay possession guy against the top other teams' top lines? Well, those hero charts are, are usage adjusted, so. Okay, no, this is why I'm asking. I forget with those hero charts. So, so that's it's a tough one because my opinion of Cam Fowler would have been higher than because I read your piece on the Cam Fowler idea, and looking through it, you go, that's not how he looks out on the ice. And it's why looking at the numbers is really important. Because he because he, he strikes me as a great skater, has puck skill, but it's not translating to some of these areas that you think it would. And it's not translating to the point where you go, if we bring him in and we ship someone out, is he going to improve the area that we need improving? Which is, like you said, you want an improvement in possession so that the quality forwards on this roster can actually increase their points. Yeah, that's a unique thing about the Penguins roster. Just get it to the forwards. They have a good group. Hang on, let's let's rephrase that. Let's get it to the forwards with possession. Controlled possession. Yeah, but they have a good group. If you can do that and own the neutral zone, that's what I want. Yeah, and lobbing the puck out off the boards is not... Well, that's not not possession. No, that's exactly right. And I've seen less and less of that over the last couple of games, and the Penguins have looked better and better because of it. So um, if, the, if they're going to trade for it, they need to make sure they get someone that can control zone exits and make sure they are able to assist in controlled entries. Do you, do you agree with me that Hornquist is that guy that would have to be what is moved to get that? Because... You know, it's not lost on me well, the crap I get for that opinion. People, you know, they're the only no, rough and tumble guy. Like, I mean, who else is there? You have to give to get. You're not going to get anything for Bennett. And to be perfectly honest, I don't really want to give up Bennett anyway. No, his um, cost is so low and he's... Yeah. We'll get, like you said, we yeah. will get to the Bennett. Get to the, look, you're exactly right. Hornquist is the one to go. One, he's got a reputation around the league... Um, as being a hard-working guy that does all the shit that your superstars don't like to do, right? And that's what he does. You're not going to hear me argue any of that. However, he needs to go... If you're trading for Hornquist, your team had better be a straight-line skating team, one that doesn't want the stick, doesn't want the puck on the stick very often, and is literally looking for bang-bang plays. That's it. Because he cannot, he cannot stick handle, and his give-and-go ability is terrible. So... 
if you're going to look at it in that sense, he doesn't. His skill set is good, and there are teams that need that skill set. It's not this particular team. If you have a look at Crosby's played better since he's got Kunitz, who's almost got his hands back, and Bennett on the line. So he's got two players that can skate, and I love it when you use this word, two cerebral players that think the game out and put pucks in places for people to go and do stuff with it. And that's something Hornquist can't. Actually, Perron can do it quite well. Him and Gino have worked it out as well. So if if you do give up Hornquist... He's probably got the potential to give you back at least a, a top four defenseman, but it'll be a three-four sort of a guy. It won't be a it won't be a, a two-three, unless you trade with St. Louis and they give away Shattenkirk. But okay, so that was kind of that's why when you ask, oh, who, who are you going for? And it's like, well, I don't really think the St. Louis GM is on top of his game at all times. Uh, <laughs> He seems to like these rough and tumble wingers. What can be had there? Nah, and, and quite frankly, up. I think Chad and Kirk Hornquist is extremely lopsided for Pittsburgh. Oh, but really? <laughs> obviously, but yes. is it obvious to that guy? I don't know. I, I would hope so. I like, was, well, that wouldn't be the trade. There would be... Look, there'd be a plus on the pet. There'd be a plus on the Penguins' end. Um, or is there a contract dump that they want to get rid of in St. Louis? They got backies coming up. I think they should let go, but that's another conversation for um, another podcast if we ever get off the Penguins. Um, who else is up for them? They have. I don't know why I don't have this up in front of me. My apologies. Uh, because it's, let's it's, see. it's one of those it's one of those things where Pittsburgh is obviously oh, got Brower's their, up too. They just traded for Brower. He's a UFA. Yeah. And Hawkwist is on for another year, isn't he? And Oshie's not up for UFA next year. Why did they do that? I still see. This is why it becomes. <laughs> <laughs> this is why these conversations start. Why did they trade Oshie for one less year of? Troy Brower. All right, so you get there with it though, and it's like all I was trying to ask is like if Pittsburgh went into a trade and 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 it looked like they were going to lose out in the trade, they could balance it up in a sense contractually and go, look, we know we're going to get the worst player out of this person, this person, but if you take Scuderi for us, we're fine. Does St. Louis have anyone like that that would be a contractor? And I don't think they do because the Penguins have got that cap space. It's like do Pittsburgh get there and use that cap space that is now being created to apply it directly to the player they trade for or to use it to facilitate the player they want? Because with that cap space available now, they, Either or. they, 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 they could they retain salary. Because they could trade Scuderi at one and a half and retain the rest if they really needed to get rid of him off the roster. Uh, yeah, they really need to get him off the roster. That's my point. So at some point here, Rutherford's just going to have to bite the bullet and retain or, a chunk of that salary. Or do Andrew McDonald them? Oh, look, if they were going to do that, they should have done that last year. And I don't know if or when they're going to do it. No, if you put him in the AHL right now. And oh, I know. Well, I, no, you, you save about nine hundred grand, 
It's and the, the you thing say, is, you know what? You you got your. Oh wait, you know what? They can't. Why? I'm sorry. My apologies. He's got the no movement thing. I was waiting for that one. Okay. All so, I was gonna so say that's my fault. That, sorry. But it's one of those things. Where I suppose if they could have done it and they hadn't, if you're the if you're the general manager and you come out and you stone the coach for not playing the young guys, yet you've got control over being able to sit someone like Scuderi and you don't, then that's just bullshit grandstanding. And he doesn't have the, the ability to do that. So I'll roll that one back as well. Do you get what I mean there? Like the, the coach plays who the coach wants to play, but if you put a roster in front of him with certain qualities and the coach keeps going back to that well and everyone else can see that it doesn't work, as a general manager, what do you do? Fire the coach? Yeah, pretty much. Because I, I, I do not understand how everybody can watch the game, everybody can see what's going on, yet that one player still keeps getting a game. Scuderi. Yeah, I didn't think it needed to be said. Oh, it needs to be said. <laughs> it needs to be said over and over and over again. Because it's junk. Would you, if you were, if, if you were Rutherford, would you be attempting to talk to to Poyle in in Nashville, trying to nab one of their yes. top defensemen? Would you try and give them back Hornquist? <laughs> yes, yes, I would. I actually <laughs> thought about that the other day. It wasn't enough to write about, but I, it crossed my mind. I would want Ryan Ellis. I think. Yeah, I think everybody would want Ryan Ellis, and if it got to that point, I think the Penguins wouldn't be able to offer enough to to make to facilitate to facilitate that trade. I mean, let's be honest. We've talked a lot about it on this podcast and how I feel like Ryan Ellis is definitely not the one they should be trading. No, and and I fully agree. Look, I put it to this way though. If the Pittsburgh Penguins got there and traded Rob Scuderi and Patrick Hornquist for the guy you think that should move, because all of a sudden cap-wise that works, then Pittsburgh runs off to the bank, even though that, that particular player, Mr. Weber, is not great in his own zone. But that and just doesn't old. happen. Yeah, and a long contract. I'm aware and, of that and, too. And has another decade when he's 31. Yeah. But Penguins have been What's, what are they? They're a win-now window, aren't they? Yeah, How long is that window Yeah, win-now win with Mike Ribeiro and Mike Fisher as your top two centers. Mm. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. Right? Yeah. No, but yeah, the, the Nashville thing intrigued me. Jared Spurgeon out in Minnesota intrigues me. Apparently... Like, yeah, what's with that? Yeah, exactly. What is with that? Like, why is he like not? Why is he not under an extension already? Yeah, it's like it's, it's weird, Koch, isn't it? In in um, Ottawa, who's sort of under the same. No, Spurgeon's way better. No, I wasn't suggesting that, but it's the whole. Weird, Koch is better than the crap that he cops from the local media and what it seems like the coaching staff are expecting out of him. And, you know, he's always sort of thrown out there as a possibility to move on. So it happens to Spurgeon. It's just that Spurgeon is a, a, a better skater, a better player than, than Wickoch. So what happens in that situation? How does it get to that point? Like, 
I, I'm always really interested to know what the coaching staff and the the management staff are looking at from particular players and what they expect them to be able to do when their numbers are suggesting that they're performing up to snuff. I don't, I don't see that disconnect. I don't understand it. Well, that may change. They've, I know the Wild have hired a, a couple of War on Ice's uh, original and, and founders. So, yep. uh, I know Andrew Thomas, who founded War on Ice with Sam Ventura, who's with the Penguins, is now working with the Wild. So I'm sure if he has anything to say about it, Spurgeon ain't going nowhere. And that so, makes an awful sense. Yeah, and he shouldn't. But they have. Um, Matthew Dumba and Spurgeon, who are both RFAs, they're due for a raise. They've already got Scandella um, signed at four mil for the next four years. They have Brodeen 4.16 for the next five years, and Ryan Suter at 7.5 million for uh, till the sun burns out. Yeah. So. So in theory, they have to make take their pick on one or the other. The way you just because you just ruled off five NHL competent defenders there, all that are going to make a lot Spurgeon. of money. Spurgeon's probably worth about five mil a year. Yeah, whether that's so, the common perception of what he's going to get, I don't know. Because they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to trade Dumba, nor should they. So, I suppose it comes down to at what point. Because they've still they've still got controlling rights because they're both coming up as RFAs. At what point, if you're Minnesota, do you sit there and make that call? Do you make it this year and try and bolster another area of your defense, or do you no, just they, hold on? To they they, and they need a center, and unfortunately for Pittsburgh, I think that's where this idea dies and why I didn't really have written about it. Yet. Yeah, what did they that makes give sense. Them? Well, you're not going to give him freaking either of these. Be, the so, well, okay, you, conversation over. Yeah, well. Patrick Hornquist is. Why would they give no, a crap they, about that? No, that's exactly right. Although they aren't particularly incredible on the right wing, I think their best right winger, from what I'm looking at, is Jason Pominville, who I I actually. Yeah, I don't for think many I, years I, in I, Buffalo, I, he's good. Hornquist is not an upgrade over that, though. No, but I'm just saying. I, yeah, I think no, I know. They, they need a center, and that, that dies. Uh, Tyson Berry in Colorado is uh, a guy they should have already extended, but they are one of the worst-run teams in the league, so that, once again, is like, well, what are they thinking? Do they really value him? Patrick Hornquist does strike me as the kind of player they would eat up. Yeah. It's funny. I've, I've looked at trades entirely differently ever since Travis said, don't trade for assets, trade with bad GMs. And you've reeled off St. Louis, you've Colorado. reeled off Colorado, and I'm almost wanting to put Columbus in that as well. But They're getting it, there, but they don't have any good demon worth a damn anyways. No, I know that. But the other thing I was going to say is even if there was somewhere worth grabbing, um, the issue you've got with that is that they're in division, and that very rarely happens for some other reason in this league. So 
Who else out there that you think is a time bomb waiting to go off as a general manager? I mean, I just I just can't see anyone else out there that Hoover, but they've got no assets that you want to acquire. Hamus, maybe not not if you can. No, see, I don't want Hamus. I think he's on the decline. He's he's that would be a rental. Yeah, I suppose you've got. Pulliot coming through that should fill that hole once he leaves. But it's then you're giving up a guy you've got under salary control, Hornquist. No, I, I, that wouldn't be a Hornquist trade. That that would be, I don't know. Trade him, Scuderi. Trade him, um, With salary retained. <laughs> um, so that's the thing. I can't like you get there and you look at. You look at what Calgary are as a general man. It's that they're an interesting mix. Uh, Edmonton. The, pro- the problem always comes back to Pittsburgh squandered a lot of assets the last few years, so they're at a disadvantage right now. Basically, their trade chip that's that's makes sense is Patrick Hornquist, and that's about it. I don't want to hear anything about Matt Murray because. Oh we God! All, no. We all know my opinions about goaltending. The the second that I know Matt Murray can even play league average or better, I think they should really start to think about moving on from Mark Andre Fleury. And I trust me, he's been awesome this year. He's the only reason yeah. they're in this. But you're shaving off five million of the salary cap to getting okay goaltending. And Matt Murray is tracking better than okay, if we're all being honest, right? At the moment, he is definitely tracking to be in really that middle tier. At least, yeah. At, at least in that middle tier of goalkeepers, which if you've got a good team in front of an okay goalie, you should do quite well. So, and it's a change of philosophy for, for Rutherford, if you think about it. So you shave about five mil off and you get to reinvest that into the team in front. I mean... So Matt Murray's a non-starter for me. He's the bridge to to cheap goal, cheap quality goaltending. Uh, that's going to be a touchy subject emotionally for for a lot of uh, players, <laughs> management, fans. Screw you, Gunner. Screw you. Well, it it's true, <laughs> it, and no, it's a tough conversation to have right now based on Mark Andre Fleury playing uh, at an extremely high level this year. But big I picture, if Matt it. Murray can do it. I mean. That's an opportunity. Uh, they'll play Fleury and Murray next year, and the year after that, they'll decanter them across, and the year after that, they'll have to make up their mind what they do. So it's probably going to happen 12 months after you want. If this franchise yeah, is real months, forward, that's a long time a long to month. not strike. I, I agree, and it's one of those things where if this franchise is really on top of their game in regards to the advanced stats and, and all that sort of stuff, they'll do it earlier than when I said, which sucks for me. Is a Fleury fan. Is that like that's him Yeah, I know, but I wanted him to retire as a penguin, and that, that wouldn't happen. Simple as that. I don't know. I watch Yager. I still love him. I'll still like... watch him play, but it would be great to have had him play every game in the as a Penguins fan. That would be really, really cool. And the reality is, it's not going to happen. They they would be they would be crazy to stick to him for sentimentality reasons. Have a look at what happened in LA and that mess. The Penguins aren't going to get bailed out by the league letting him break all the freaking salary cap laws just to get guys off their roster. I don't know. Tell them so, to cross the border with some Oxycontin. And... Then they're fine. I suppose so. Uh, 
But you, you, you get what I'm talking I didn't, I didn't mean to shift this into uh, a Mark Andre Fleury trade discussion no, because it is an absurd conversation based on how he's playing this year. But, but it's, it's exactly right, though. If you've got Fleury playing at this level and you know Murray can do what you need him to do at five million less, this is a ruthless business. You've got to put your money into the right assets. Throwing what is it, five point five mil into a goalie that has been great over the last couple of years when you could trade him away and get other assets. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but that's not a this year thing. All I was no, saying I, is oh, I agree you with can't, that. can't, can't get rid of Murray. That kind of goaltending on the cheap is the gold standard of how you manipulate the current salary cap system. That's where smart GMs make their, their money. They don't pay a lot for the goaltending if they don't have to. So, you know, what else is there? You're not trading Crosby or Malkin. Kessel, certainly not trading. No. Perron has no value and he's a left wing, and that's not going to help their cause. Kunitz um, has no value either. Um, He could maybe get some value. He's got eight points in the last five games. And he has looked more and more like the Kunitz before. Uh, His hands are still dog shit. I it's still the most fascinating thing to me. I, I, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't think he's look. What, what I was trying to say is I don't think he's as bad as he was. He's still not where you and I would like him to be, but he's improving. Whether or not he improves enough to oh, get yeah, to the he's dead. playing all right. Yeah, he was never a liability. No, no, and that, he was always on the right end of things. It that, just aesthetically how, was not that pleasing. Yeah. No, well, it's not even the aesthetics of it, which you're right, they weren't great, but there were just times where he would just, things would die on his stick that you would that would normally not die on his stick. Um, but the bonus that he's got is that they die on his stick and it wouldn't cause a problem the other way. He'd still recover and make up for that sort of stuff. Things aren't dying on his stick any much uh, very often anymore to the point where he's actually starting to rack up a truckload of assists. So it feels to me like it's all coming back again for him. Whether or not he gets back to what he was before it went south, I not don't happening. know. Not happening. His hands are Direct still crap. It's not going to change? I, he's playing better, but I just... There were plays tonight where the puck rolled off a stick, and that just it's, it just it, never would have happened two or three years ago. I, yeah. I don't know what what the fuck happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. Like uh, it's like, usually the legs, not the hands that go. It's even the thing in my that I... stupid recreation league I'm playing, and like my legs are what or legs or lungs. Pick, take your pick. Like, yeah. That's the thing that, like... Dies. Yeah, like, I can still do similar things that I did before with the puck. I mean, shooting's not pinpoint where you want it to be because you're not on the ice practicing every day. But, like, he's on the ice every day. How do the... How the... Sorry. It's an I, interesting... How do the hands weird. go? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird. But, look, him, Bennett, and Crosby have looked good together. Uh, and I don't care if he becomes the Pascal Dupuis of that line where everyone bags on him for fluffing shots or missing a pass or whatever, whatever, because he does everything else that I want out of a out of a forward, which is he retrieves the puck. 
he goes in hard on the four check. He forces play, and he's defensive res- defensively responsible. If Bo Bennett turns into the Chris Kunitz of, of that line, then Ooh, I think the Penguins win. That's quite a segue. So I was trying to build it there. Go for Yeah, Bo. Bo, is, it will never be. The, in your it, voice. What's that? <laughs> it's joy in your voice. Oh. I enjoy watching him play for being so a I. non-star player because I can uh, see kind of the things he's trying to do. It's he kind of I don't know. I find myself being somewhat similar into my approach on some of the things that he does as far as uh, where he's looking to pass the puck, kind of things. Um, yeah, I can. He. It's not going to be Kunitz in the sense he's just going to be a wrecking ball everywhere. But this idea that he's a soft player, I think, is very misguided. I think he's been a very injury-prone player to this point. (laughs) But I don't think it's an unwillingness to play physical. He always finishes that meaningless check that the coaches want him to. Mm. Right? And he he takes a good deal of punishment on the boards... And shields the puck really, really well. Yes, he does. I'll give him, he protects the puck. Really, and it's one of the things that before Kunitz lost his hands, he would go and retrieve the puck, protect it in the corner, and then Sid would come flying in down the wing and Kunitz would just pop it into a spot for him to collect it and go around the net. And then there's all this space opened up for Crosby. When he's protecting the has, puck? Oh, sorry. No, but Bennett has the potential to do exactly that. When he's protecting the puck, he reminds me of how Ryan Malone used to protect the puck with a very good set of hands, except I think Bennett skates better. Not like a ton better, but skates better. I think Bennett sees the ice better. And I think he may, with his wrist being more healthy, as you saw on his uh, second goal against Colorado, shoots the puck pretty good. Yeah. That line, him being bumped up with Sid is something I've asked for for a year and a half, two years now. Be close to that length of time, yeah. And and injuries have played a part in why Stopped he it. hasn't been allowed to do that. And that, I don't know if it merits criticism, but it, that's why it hasn't happened. And he's doing a really nice job playing playing with Sid right now with Kunitz. That line is buzzing. That is the first time that Crosby's line this year has looked anything like a Crosby line of years past. I think Bo will start to rack up some more tangible offense if this keeps up. Bo's always Mm -hmm. been a good possession player, um, even when he was playing with the absolute dog shit that they used to put him with, with LaPierre and uh, Sutter and you, you name it. Those players would have higher possession with Bennett as opposed to without him. And now he's with Sid, and he's not a perfect player, and he's probably... He's not not a top-line player on pretty much any NHL team, but he's the best option they have right now. If you want to consider that... I mean, if you want to consider the Malkin line, who hasn't been producing lately, uh, the top line... I mean, he's a top six quality player. It's it is funny watching that Malcolm Lyon go at the moment though. They look dominant at times and then they just can't put the puck in the net. That has to change with 
Yeah, Perron, no. man. He's got some bad luck going on. He's making good plays. His, his ability to retrieve the puck and keep the puck in the zone against LA uh, must frustrate the living hell out of the coaches. Because you get there and you see what he does and you go, well, why can't you do that every time? Not a great skater. <sighs> a little bit slower. Not a terrible skater, but not exactly fast either. His hands are amazing. His eye-hand coordination. I think yeah. his mind for the game is very good. His shooting percentage is way down this year. I think that is skewing a lot of perception. I, I think he started very poorly for the Penguins, and I think he's done... I don't think he's been a liability this year. He's a player that needs to produce tangibly more goals. He had that chance in overtime tonight, right? Yeah, uh, that would have been the world. That, that was an amazing save, but you know those got to go in. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's an interesting it's an interesting roster. Compare compare this year to, to last year, and you look at how the Penguins got on the scoreboard. That was the fourth line that did that. Could you imagine last year's fourth line being able to get the puck to that spot and be able to finish that? No, That's the value no. of that fourth line. The Penguins dominated that second period, absolutely crushed it. And then when the top two lines were done crushing it, fourth line comes out and does what you want it to do. And that's keep the puck in the offensive zone. You've got a bit of skill on there that can handle the puck and can actually shoot. Look what happens, they score. Last year, that puck just gets stuck on the boards and LA just wrestle it away and skate down the other end and then they get stuck in their own zone. That's the importance of having four lines that can play with the puck right there. Yeah, it's so nice to not have any totally shitty forwards. Even if, even if the youngest guy on the ice can't get on the ice and when he does, the puck is not where we want it to be. So, yes... One of the more fascinating topics of Penguins hockey is Daniel Sprong. And I'm just going to say right off the top that Daniel Sprong has not played in enough games this year. He has not gotten enough ice time. I think we can all agree on that. However, there's some very, um, you know, very strong opinions about how much I, like, okay, for example, the last two games, he's not seen the ice in the third period. To me, that's extreme. That shouldn't happen. He should get a few shifts in the third period. But I think people are taking it a little bit overboard in the sense that Daniel Sprung should be playing more. But how much should he be playing more? I, I don't think he's actually played that well. But the argument is play him more, play him more, play him more. To, to see what you have, and I agree with that. I but but I've also argued that he should have been playing above Pascal Dupuis when Dupuis was still on the roster. But those were the two worst forwards on the roster. So but you've got the, the Penguins have got nowhere to put him because they they're going to keep him on the roster. And this and this agreement thing drives you absolutely nuts. That doesn't allow Sprong to go to what best develops him as an NHL asset, and that's where they need to change that. Yeah, so so he, th this is the layered thing of the Daniel Sprong argument that I think gets overlooked. Daniel Sprong, in my opinion, should not go back to junior hockey. I don't think there's anything there for him. 
Daniel Sprung's also probably not an NHL player right now. However, I think staying with the team is more beneficial to him than sending him to juniors. The CHL thing, transfer agreement, totally fucks his where he should be up. He should be in the AHL. That's where That's he should the- be. This is... There's a lot of misplaced frustration with this whole Daniel Sprong stuff because there there is a league he should be in and he's not allowed to be in there and I think the frustration should be totally shifted to that. Um, now now don't get me wrong, Mike Johnston has not handled his business well with Daniel Sprong, but tonight I'm reading a lot of tweets. He's not playing in the third period against the LA Kings and let me let me say this: the LA Kings are not are the last team that I think he would find success against and the way they were calling the game tonight I can't (laughs) see him finding success at all so tonight I don't necessarily disagree with the coach's usage of him in the third period but overall he's done a poor job and it can be both of those it doesn't have to be like Oh, the coach sucks because he didn't play him tonight. No, the coach has been sucking, but maybe tonight wasn't a great night to be putting him out there. But the problem is he hasn't been putting him out there in better situations, so everybody's tense about not using him now because everybody's aware of this 40-game thing that's coming up and, and how poorly the Penguins have handled it. And... It's just a tough situation, and it's all because of that shitty transfer agreement, really. Really. Every team should have an exception, a one-player exception. We want to develop this guy the right way so the poor Canada doesn't lose their players because they won't – all the teams will fold because all the fans that are so great won't come to the games. (laughs) Sorry, but – you know. No, I don't have that north-south border problem over here. It's fine. <laughs> but you're close enough to the border for that to be tangible. <laughs> yeah, so it's a layered problem with Daniel Sprung. It's not. It, there's so many shades of gray with it. Uh, he flashes that skill. He, uh, man, I feel bad no, for him because he's. It's not his fault. And quite no, frankly, the the junior hockey ain't gonna do shit for him. It's it's one of those things where it's not his fault, and I I wonder about Mike Johnson in that. You, you and I, I think, philosophically agree with the way he likes hockey to be played, right? You could see this that year. from last. Now that, that's sort of where I was sort of headed to. It was like last year he had a back six that he trusted and he relied on to move the puck. This year, right from the get go. He didn't even bother trying to see if that back six could do what he traditionally liked. It's almost like when Pouliot turned up and wasn't ready, he pulled the pin on the entire concept. And quote-unquote wasn't ready. Sorry? Why is quote-unquote wasn't ready? Yes, he didn't have a good camp, and he probably didn't put in the time he needed to. But why... So, So we send this guy a message. Much like you sent Simone Dupre this message all these years. But Rob Scuderi continues to play, who, you know, the most common thing I see about Derek Pouliot is 
oh, he's a liability in his own end. And then I go back to his stats that he played in his minutes in the NHL, and it's like, you know what? He wasn't great, but he certainly wasn't like this complete liability. And you know what? Rob Scuderi seems to get a jersey every night, but he can't make a tape-to-tape pass. He's throwing it off the glass every shift, and he's he's no better defensively than Derek Pouliot. So could we please stop quote-unquote sending a message to the kid and just make your NHL team better? So you get there with it, and you can tell that the system's changed from last year in regards to the approach. At what point do you sit there as a coach and go, uh, as a general manager and go, well, we had this coach last year and he played like this. We've got this coach this year and the team's playing like this. We're getting results, but pretty much everyone can see that they're getting results because the netminder is playing um, above his career averages. He's trending. They're not getting results, though. They're starting to lose some games, aren't they? They got results earlier in the year, but they're not getting results anymore. And I don't think the GM and the coach are on the same page at all. The the GM just called out the the coach for Sprong. And I don't blame the GM for... Well, I I don't blame the GM for thinking that. I think he could have maybe not quite done... Going to the media? Yeah, maybe maybe not. (laughs) I mean, you got a, a team for sale, an interim GM, and a coach that forgot why his team played well for him the year before. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. So, I just I just don't there's only two there's only one guy on the roster at the on the playing roster at the moment that worries me trying to move the puck out of the zone, like legitimately worries me and that's Skidari because he never tries to. We can bag out Ben Lovejoy all we like, but he can't actually make a tape to tape pass. Yeah, 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 he's listen I don't like watching him play because he's boring, but he's he's above Rob Scuderi. Yeah, and so is Worowski. Worowski played 20, 24-57 tonight against the LA Kings. Okay, so so I do want to say this about, uh, is it David? I believe so. David Worowski. All right, he's. would you consider he's kind of standing out lately? Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. Okay, so that's where I'm going with it. David Warzowski is not doing anything special out there. He's skating okay. I I love his willingness to shoot. I I, I very much think um, that plays into Mike Johnston's system of last year, defense, offense, defenseman playing offense, shooting, shot volume, that kind of thing. But, like, he's not... He's just doing basic stuff, and the fact that basic stuff is standing out is just—it really shows you how shitty their defense has been this year. Ian Cole's been a disaster. He really has. Like it's—it's it's like he got popped up into the top pairing with Latang at the start of the year. It went badly right from the start for him, and he's not been able to recover because this isn't the Ian Cole that we saw stuck with Rob Scuderi last year and did quite well with Scuderi last year. They, they they put those two together in this game against LA and they were a tie fire. They would both chase the puck to the court. It's like there's no communication between the two of them or I've no idea what's going on anymore with, with, with that pairing when they're, when they're together. It's 
it's really bizarre to, to watch in that in that aspect. I'm at the point now if Latang comes back, I would almost sit cold. Yes. For Scuderi. Yep. And I sit there and say that, and my chin almost hits the floor as I say it. Like, that's that's how poor Cole's play has been for probably quite some time. Um, but he can skate with the puck, and he can hit a tape-to-tape pass. So I'd probably leave him in the lineup and still sit Scuderi. Because he plays he play shot blocker on Fleury so many times, I don't know how Fleury actually sees the puck. I really don't. Yeah, but then I get back to the Ian Cole thing, and 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 then I look at every player on this team, mm. and they're all simultaneously having crappy years. And what yeah, does that there, come back to? There's been a definite change in philosophy, and credit to the players for buying in on it, but it's not working at all. Like. Everybody, everybody's production is down. Like, get there and say what you will about Crosby, but Malcolm, who is by far and away the best skater on this team this year by miles, is well off his career averages. Well off. And people are considering his play good. Because it is. Like, that's, that's the reality. It is. Like, he was a beast out there against LA tonight. And has been pretty much almost every game he's played this year. He's barely had that, well, how would I like to put it, that regulation Russian game off that everyone likes to claim that he has. Um, He's been fantastic, yet the offensive numbers aren't there because they're not in situations to be able to do it. I, I really, it's one of those things where I wonder whether there will be a change in philosophy. If Scuderi's out of the lineup consistently when Latang comes back, then there's no reason for Johnson not to go back to what he produced last year as a system. And if he doesn't, then they should just fire him in, like, January 1 when the compensation rule goes. Yeah, but who? That is the that is the problem, isn't it? It's like, who do you steal? Do you bring up, was his name from Wilkesbury? That would be what they do. And is that really an improvement? I don't know. I don't know enough about him. No. And is there any... There's not... Like, I would have loved the Ducks to have panicked. Yeah. They have been nice. And, and they're going to reap the benefits of not panicking. That team is slowly on the improve. They'll be fine come playoffs. They won't be where they probably wanted to be in the standings. And they might have to try and win four away series. But they'll still be in the playoffs. Yeah, the coach thing's a... It's a tough thing. I don't know. The Mike Johnston thing is so frustrating to me. Last year with five defensemen, they had great numbers. Yeah. I don't know what's changed. It's just a tire fire for everybody. I don't know know what forced the change to, to change what they do if that makes sense. Like, if you're a coach who knows his job's on the line, would you not go with what you've coached your entire career and you've ridden it all your coaching career and you've gone, this is what I believe in and we're either going to win with it or lose with it? No, but here's the thing. thing. Low-scoring games will keep you on board. Well, it's... 
Yeah. We lost by one. It was low scoring. It's not as egregious as losing five to three. Like, oh my god, we gave up five. Even though you're you're pushing against the other team, it may not have worked that way your night, but like it's risk averse. Is that the, is that the difference between a guy like Lindy Ruff and a guy like Mike Johnson in regards to he's been a tenured NHL coach? Probably Lindy Ruff. I mean, Lindy Ruff is probably my favorite coach in the entire league right now, and I don't, you know, that his players are why I feel yeah. that way. But he's letting them be them. It's not. It's not like Mike Johnson doesn't have a very similarly constructed roster in that the forward group is fantastic and that defensive group has question marks. It's just that in theory, at the moment, the Penguins have a better goaltender than Dallas. So why they're not, why they are not playing to those strengths, i.e., short, sharp passes in the defensive zone, get it up to the forwards with speed, or let the couple of defenders who can't skate with the puck with speed go. You barely see Latang pinch down the far side of the ice anymore to join the rush. That's gone this year. He barely does it. Yeah. You see him on the far side of the ice and he'll get to that blue line and he'll pull up rather than attack it. So they've made conscious changes to what they did last year and I don't see it producing wins. What did you think of the LA game? Thought um, thought it was boring for a lot of it, outside of like specific events. But like the overall flow was very boring. But I thought it was even at even strength. Um, thought the refereeing was complete dog shit. Well, if you're allowed to push a linesman around and not get reprimanded for it, then what do you expect? Iron Iron Bo Bennett got checked from behind, face first into the glass. It should have been a major penalty. Uh, the referee closest to the play wasn't even looking. <laughs> no, he was watching the net. But the thing is, though, he's on the he's in that corner, right? In theory, the top line, the top ref should have been on the correct side to see that play. Yeah, so but the then, other then then Malkin gets slashed. Yeah, and then they have a freaking brawl and they wonder why it happens and then an LA player literally shoves the linesman and nothing happens I know that sounds whiny from a penguin standpoint but those are big big events in a game um, major boarding a direct slash with the puck nowhere near the play to a star player and um a shoving of an official, which is pretty rare. So just with, with that slash on the back of Malkin's leg, like Carter went to the box with that slash, right? So my, I don't know my, if he did. So this, this, I'm, I'm asking this question for a reason here. It's like if if he slashes Malkin on the back of the leg, and the official's arm goes up straight away, and he's screaming "delayed penalty, delayed penalty." then that's really bad on Malcolm to go back at him and whack him, right? Because I obviously lose out of having Malcolm on the ice. If the officials didn't call anything until after all that melee started, then it's like, well, what the fuck's the point of having you out there? There was... 
the puck, like, there was no need for Carter to do it besides being a complete dick. And that's fine. He plays for LA, and that's the way they like to play. He didn't play like that in Philly. He didn't play like that in Columbus. They breed that into their players there. They they do that because they go, we're going to get away with enough of this garbage because they're not going to call everything, that it will it will be to our benefit more so than racking up all the penalties. I guess they and, did and, get him for the slash. Is that what it was? They did get him for the slash. So then, in theory, Malcolm shouldn't have retaliated. I don't think... I don't think it was called exactly at that moment, though. I think it was one and of those. All right, we'll call it after the. We'll call it after. And what's the fucking point of doing that then? You get what I'm Let saying, though. I'm not so sure that that was a call with an arm up. I think that was a call after the fact. Yeah, that's that's my point. So if they don't want those stupid ass scrums on the ice because of what actually happened. Freaking call the penalty on the spot. Don't, you know, put the hand up. It's a delay again. Malcolm's not going to turn around and retaliate and start all that garbage. Because that all started from the retaliation from the slash that I'm sure Malcolm didn't think he was going to get the call on. Because they didn't call it. They called it after the event, basically, I think is on the money. So what do you do in that situation if you're a player? Well, the refs haven't called anything all game. I've just been slashed the hell out of the back of my knee. Of course you're going to turn around and react. It's just, it's, it's farcical. And then you have Perron get called for a hold at some point, and you go, you're going to call that hold there. It, it, it just, like, Marta should have got called for a hold in three-on-three three overtime. Yeah, definitely. And they didn't, and you just get there well, and go... for him to know that they were... Well, they weren't called to But that, that just shows you how much of a joke it's become when that's the situation you're in. And it, it feels like you watch any LA Kings game, whether it's against the Penguins or other teams, it turned into a slugfest of the officials go, can't call that one, can't call It's like they wait till there's an accumulation of things and then they'll call it. And that, that's not the way that... You want a game that's free-flowing and players are skating up and down the ice. I think the thing that's frustrating for me is they have Marion Gabrick and Anze Kopitar. How they great have were those guys? Yeah, they had Tyler Toffoli and, and freaking Drew Doughty. Colbert was amazing. Yeah, they've got talent on that roster, but they're good players. They do what their coach asks of them, and to be honest, they're successful this year. Why would they change? Did they officially they're sign him yet? No, him and Stamkos are still out there, and I always find that funny because as soon as anything with Toronto comes up, his name comes up. Yeah, it's well, well Stamkos, I understand, because Tampa, you could make the argument trading him might not be a terrible thing. No. Because they could absorb the loss, take the assets. Kings cannot lose Anse Kopitar. No. I'm really interested to know, and this is legit, whether he really wants to stay at that organization. But a lot of shit has gone on the last two years. Oh, yeah, well. You know? And, you know, rumors were that Paul Martin wanted to go to L.A., didn't went to San Jose instead. You know, it's not out of the realms of possibility that they can't get a deal done, and then he does a trade and then gets signed straight away. You know, all that gets all worked out. I think he'll um, stay. Do you think Stamkos stays? Fifty-fifty. Oh, it's that's just it's almost like. The signing of John Cooper was a middle finger to Stamkos to say, right, we're set. What do you want to do? 
He's not a center really anymore. I think I think he's more of a winger. Is he, or is that just where he's being played? No, I think that's where he is. So I don't think he likes not being a center. Well, tough shit. Well, that's going to be what what he has to decide on. Is well, he going to stay? Then, then move him. They'll get a boatload, and they won't miss. Yeah, they a beat. will. They won't miss a beat. If if you if you were tampering that situation, because they're going to lose technically their second line center, if you're going to look at it that way. Think about the futures you... they could get and not pay another guy ten million dollars. Yeah, no, no, and that's that's the argument though. So you get there and go. Are you after? Uh, do you want someone like a backies coming? Not him specifically, but a player with that skill set to come back and play as your second line center, plus a boatload of asset like draft picks and stuff. Like the the options are so open for for Steve Eisenman in this situation. He's, he's masterfully built that team. Yeah, he really has. Like they're in, they're in a really good situation. They keep him, they're fine. You know, because they'll keep him at the cap hit they want. If he asks for too much, he walks, they get a truckload back because they'll trade him. That's the reality. They're in a really good spot, that Tampa team. And they can get rid of Bishop and bring um, Vasilevsky in really cheap. There's that cheap goaltending Jeez, girl. Look at that damage could do. Yeah. They, they, look, <laughs> we say this have... week after week we should do a Tampa podcast. We never do. That's because we usually get to this on a Saturday. The Penguins play on a Friday night your time, and it's usually straight after a Penguins game. <laughs> it will change, I'm sure. But, the, yeah, I mean. That Tampa team looks like it's, it, it's, it's, it's set up really, really nicely. It's like they've quietly gone about doing all the stuff that other teams should be doing. And they're just getting it right. It does help that they've got freaking Hedman and and Strawman. Well, the Tyler Johnson thing that played out for them helps. Help. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because without him, then Stamkos is already well, signed for like ten and a half mil. And they're still not. And they're still not playing Jonathan Druin as much as I thought they probably should. Yeah, that's that's yeah. And he's good. Yeah, he is. Like. Like really good. Yeah. I want. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna take a minute here, and I'm gonna actually look up. It's like whose daughter is he sleeping with that they're not happy with? I just don't. Know. So the last three years, and I'm not so sure that he's been in the league the last three years. Is it two? It's two. Okay, so I will change this to two years. Points per sixty. He is fifth. On a Stanley Cup finalist team, Tyler Johnson is number one at 2.55. Andre Palat is 2.53. Nikita Kucherov, so basically the triplet line. Yeah. Three. Steven Stamkos is 1.96, 1.96 points per 60 at um, fourth overall. Jonathan Druin is 1.93. And they just don't want to play. Oh my God! It's like Jesus with this, like. Okay, so let's tie this back into the Daniel Sprong thing. Like, okay, coach doesn't want to play youth yet. Like, Daniel Sprong is not showing signs of this. No, that's right. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the baffling thing. It's like you get there and it's like, if Druin was producing the way Sprong was, then yes, I can see why Druin not getting played. If Sprong was playing like Druin is and wasn't getting played, 
it would be baffling. Sprong at the moment, I think you're right. Sprong is perfect for that AHL. He's too good for where he was. He's not quite up to snuff at the moment for the NHL. He needs that that other league that I think you've put in a podcast. Oh, my God, there's a league right in the middle here that's there for development. Why don't we use it? And that's exactly where he probably should be. But it was better keeping him on the NHL roster and getting used to a pro life than going back to junior and tearing it up. I think they made the right call. It's just they're handcuffed because of that agreement situation. He should be playing about 10 minutes a night. With second power play. Yeah, just throw him out there. And and just give him a chance to make mistakes and then show him the tape and go, all right, what would you do differently here? Do that. You know, it's like it's like you, you see some of the errors where players have not wanted to pass the puck to Scuderi and if the coaching staff take him into the tape room and go, what were you thinking here? It's like, well, I don't want to give it to him. So I think it's the only way the coaching staff are going to change their, their approach. But who's going to throw their teammate under the bus like that? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's half the problem with with this roster is that no one wants to throw anyone under the bus and there's one player to throw under the bus and they're not willing to do it. Sprong needs to pick up his play if he's going to want to get minutes. It's, there's no two ways about it. But He's the youngest player in the NHL. Yeah, but he needs minutes to find that out. It's a it's a it's an interesting little dog chasing its tail sort of situation. You know, I'd be I'd be tempted if you're not gonna play Sprung, I'd be tempted to play Adam Clendinning as the freaking seventh defenseman and rotate Skideri uh, out and only play him on the penalty kill. And even then I don't want him there, but I'm trying to minimize his ice time. I guess that's the sign. Like that noise I just made sums up the Penguins' year. Just a yeah. sigh. <laughs> like, <laughs> for me, though, it's been a really interesting watch this year. In that you don't know what you're going to get out of this team. Yes, they're as frustrating as hell to watch because you look at the talent they've got and they're not playing up to stuff, up to snuff. But the whole intrigue around what this team could possibly be when it matters to me is what makes this year interesting. Because the biggest complaint I had with the Bilesmy years was that it was the same thing over and over and over with no change in regards to the areas in the roster that were deficient. They got Bilesmy was unfortunate in that he got burnt by Fleury being a flop for two very important years. And that was unfortunate. But you get past that, he kept going back to the well with certain players. And from the relationship that he and Shero had, they would have really discussed what they thought was required and whatnot. So, to me, this is this is much more interesting for me because the bottom two lines are much more enjoyable to watch. They can do stuff with the puck. Um, the interesting thing for me is that in the salary cap world, this Penguins team doesn't seem to have the balance right in their back six. We're still just past the quarter peg of the season. There's a long way to go. There's a lot of time for them to fix it. I'm interested to see where they attempt to fix it from, whether they do just bring up Pouliot and plug him in and rotate what they've got until it clicks. I think eventually Pouliot will make his way up. But they need to give him enough time to adjust and be ready. Don't bring him up with 20 to go. You're asking a guy, you've, you've, you've asked a guy all year to play.
play in the minors because he's got to try to prove his defensive game. You're going to throw him in at game 60 and ask him to get up to snuff in his defensive zone with NHL players preparing to make the playoffs? You're asking a guy to fail in that situation. Bring him in with 40 to go. Even if you bring him in and out, in and out of the lineup. Like, give the player a chance to succeed. Fuck, don't set him up to fail. Put players in situations to be their best. Don't put them in situations where if they fuck up, the coaching staff's going to bench them. I just, it absolutely baffles me. What are you laughing at? Me? Nothing. I know these guys are professionals, but they're fragile athletes. That's the reality. And you you don't need to put them in situations that they're going to fail. been an interesting year. It has. It really has. Which is a nice change. You got anything else you need to get off your chest? Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm done ranting. I apologize. I don't know what else. What else is there? Oh, Penguins-wise, nothing. But we do have to sit down and do a Whip Around the League podcast soon like before christmas i'd say yeah and, then, and you know what you you guys can tweet us topics you want don't give us topics about stuff that would be really good to discuss in regards to the end of the year i.e expansion and all those sorts of things we've got a whole league to talk about expansions end of the year are like the dog days of freaking end of end of august yeah exactly um yeah, but the, the Penguins are a fascinating team this year. That's kind of why we focused on them, I guess. Yeah. But. I mean, they're fascinating in a positive sense in that they're winning. You know, they're above 500. It's like Columbus are fascinating in the sense that they imploded. But that's no fun to talk about. And they've got Tortorella now, so I don't really want to talk about what Columbus are going to offer. Yeah, I just kind of forgot about them because they're cooked. Yeah. And Bobrovsky's out for three weeks, so they're cooked. And San, San Jose's fascinating as well in a sense in that they're having, you know, you and I both think they've, they've been a good roster for quite some time. They're having a bit of a resurgence this year, but there aren't a lot of factors that changed on that roster except for one guy that you and I both think very highly of. And... They're fascinating because they've got Martin Jones in net. They moved away from Niemi. So it'll be really interesting to see where that... That whole Pacific division could be anywhere by the end of it as well. I feel bad. Logan Couture is out again. Really? He just... He got some artery surgery in his thigh or some something like that. That'll be from, the, that'll be from his injury. I think he came back and played and then yeah. went out again. Yep, that'll be from his, his leg. It'll be from getting back from the leg and something that happens occasionally from um, having to be wrapped up in plaster and stuff like that. It's a risk. Seems to be happening to a lot of hockey players at the moment, that sort of shit. Hockey and blood. You sure they're not on drugs? They are. 
painkillers. Yeah, well, they might want to start reassessing this before they end up with a court case. They have a court case. They don't care. Another court case. They have Boston, or I'm sorry, Washington. Washington, Boston, Boston. Without Latang, most likely. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Got they a point be, against they, LA. That was pretty solid. They could be under 500 by the end of that for the first time since they had that 0-3 start for a team that nobody in Penguins Land really thinks is playing particularly well, and their goalie's covering them up. So, you're hitting Christmas. Rutherford usually likes to make his moves when he's got space rather than on top of the deadline. We'll see. Are they... Did they cancel the um, compensation after January 1st? Yeah. All right. Keep that date in mind. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of teams that are in Pittsburgh's spot do exactly that. Teams that have, you know, underperformed to, to expectation and end up in with that. I mean, Haxtell won't go in, in Philly. Um, is there really anyone else that feels like they've underperformed? And Pittsburgh? Yeah. Like, Every, who else? Everybody. I blame the uh, the coaching this year. No, but, like, you look at... Anaheim won't get rid of Boudreau now because they've ride the ship. Surely not. Oh, coach... Oh. What other coaches, maybe? Yeah. Oh, boy. Boudreau... Dave Tippett would be interesting, but I don't think they're in the plans of firing him. Claude Julian's Bruins are doing well. Ooh. I tell you what, give Julian credit there. Oh, I thought that roster would be atrocious. I thought they'd be terrible. I'm not so sure they aren't. <laughs> well, however the hell he's doing it, he's doing it well. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, who else is there? I suppose Tuka's gone back to Tuka Rask of old. I don't see any other appealing coaches. I think if the Penguins really wanted to... I think Todd McClellan was the the one that went by the wayside. Yeah. Because... That's the thing. Like you look at the you look at the twenty nine other teams. One coach has already been gone, so you know cross Columbus off. There are a lot of teams that are doing um, as well, if not better than expected. So the actual pool of current NHL coaches with NHL experience that you would nab from another team if they were crazy enough to fire their coach, it's just not there. So you have to look to other places. And people have said, "Well, bring up bring up the Wilkesbury Scranton coach," but. You know, I think he's riding Matt Murray more so than anything else. So it's a it's a tough gig to to change your coach. I would like the coach to change back to who he was last year. That to me would be a coaching change. I know, yeah. 
it's kind of kind of how a lot of people feel and he's had the interviews over the summer where he admitted they've changed what they've done so as we said it's an interesting year to be a penguins fan yeah that's for sure it's uh the most uncertain year in a while do you feel like they're a worry to make the playoffs yeah good i feel that way too so i'm not overreacting i think they will they got some wiggle room to make a move they got some cap space they have a goalie playing extremely well they have superstar players so you know you balance that in there i i I think they'll find a way are they a cup contender at the present moment absolutely not right absolutely not i agree with that look if they manage to um if they manage to commit highway robbery on a train for a top top four defenseman of those that we spoke about earlier then my opinion would probably change but I don't know, people are sort of like second round or bust sort of thing with this team, and I think just getting to the first round will be an achievement with the style of hockey the players are being asked to play. If that changes, then I might change my opinion, but yeah, I can't see them. They're going to float into that third and fifth spot. They'll be third in the third in the Metropolitan or fifth for the wild card. You know what I mean? They'll be the second wild card. That'll be how it'll play out. You know? Tampa keeps sort of flitting in and out and then out, out, if you know what I mean. So, Pittsburgh certainly aren't the only team with troubles. No. So, you know? You've kept trying to end this for the last 30 minutes, I reckon, because it is late your end. So, do we want to wrap this up? I wasn't trying to end it. I can talk forever. I don't care. That's all right. I don't know if there's anything else to talk about. Um, no, I don't think so. I think I, I think we've covered everything off, haven't we? Well, is there anything else? There's nothing that's sort of pertinent to to now. Mm-hmm. No, that'll do. All right, we'll we'll see you next week, guys, and we'll see whether it's penguins again, or hopefully it'll be something else. Yeah. Yeah, our intent is to cover more of the NHL, but we've just been finding the the Pittsburgh stuff more fascinating, I guess. So, Definitely. Uh, Stall, Walshy66 on Twitter, Hockey underscore Hertz, HockeyHertz.com. Donate if you'd like. And that's it. Other than, sorry, review on Apple Tunes. Yeah. How many Apple Tunes have you had? Enough. <laughs> Can't believe I just called this shit Apple Tunes. iTunes. Oh, yes. Review on iTunes. That's where That's we will awesome. call this a podcast. 